This is State of the Nonprofits and MSS podcast, and I'm your host, MSS Executive Director, Autumn Vest. For decades, nonprofits have relied upon volunteers to deliver services and achieve missions. The last few years, volunteer recruitment has become increasingly difficult. In the 2022 State of the Nonprofit survey, we learned that recruiting and retaining volunteers is one of the greatest challenges facing our nonprofits. To dig in, I'm joined today by Mikey Haquez, Program Coordinator for SHARE, and Bailey Hennis, Executive Director of Recording Library of West Texas, also my partner in crime for this podcast. Hello. Hello. Happy to be here. I'm usually behind the scenes, and today I get to talk on the mic. Yeah, you guys don't know, because she is in every episode that we record almost, and so I'm really glad to have her back on the show as a voice today. So before we get started, for our Recording Library of West Texas and visually impaired listeners, we're going to take just a moment to describe ourselves. So Bailey... You are the queen of this. Why don't you start us off? Sure. So what we're doing is called an audio description. And this is just for those who are visually impaired to understand. Just kind of put a picture of what the voices are um, and just formulate a picture in their heads of, of who we are talking instead of these voices just out in the cloud. I am Bailey Hennis. I am 5'8". I have medium length red hair. It's out of a box. It is not natural. Today I am wearing a kind of an army green button down shirt black pants with some black shoes and my nails are painted in brown cow print today. Ooh. Yeah. I, they're really cute for spring. I love that. That's fun. Yeah. Mikey. So I have dark brown hair. Well, black hair, really short. I am five, five about. I'm also wearing green button down, but with some Different shades of green and some green pants, too, and white Air Forces. And unfortunately, I don't have my um, nails painted in cow print. We'll have to get you on that <laughs> next time. <laughs> so and I'm five foot two with pixie brown hair, brown eyes and a medium build. Today I'm wearing um, I have on orange, but it has little green flowers and and leaves on it. It's very springy and some light denim dress pants. And my nails are kind of a coral orange because I am ready for some blooming flowers and way less of this wind. Preach. Yep. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm excited today to really dig into this volunteer dilemma our nonprofits are facing. What's causing the challenge? What are we seeing? What are you guys as different entities experiencing as you're starting to bring in some volunteers? So let's start with you, Bailey. What do volunteers do at the recording library? Without volunteers, the recording library can't exist. We provide resources for those who are blind and low vision. And we specialize in audio. So audiobooks, newspapers, magazines, religious materials, anything that's printed, we put into audio for those who cannot access the printed word. So that means that we have to have volunteers come in on a daily basis to our studio, to our suite to record those materials, or they can do some remote things at home. We have five recording booths actually in our suite at Midland Shared Spaces. So that means that um, every morning before noon, we have a group of volunteers that come in to record things like the Midland Reporter Telegram and the Odessa American because those have to air on our 24-hour radio station at 3 and 4 p.m. every day. So that takes a lot of of volunteer power to come in and get those on the station before noon every day. So for us, it's it's a pretty pretty strict volunteer position and a, a, a very important one. Yeah. 
Absolutely. So where have you been recruiting right, like recently in the last few years, even before this kind of dramatic challenge with recruitment? What have, where were you seeing success? Where were you going? So actually, we get a lot of volunteers through our current volunteers, um, kind of word of mouth, just like everything in Midland and advertising itself. So making those connections in the community. And as soon as we tell people what we do, they're like, I want to come do that. I want to help and I could do it from home or whatever you need. I can do it. There are certain types of of things that we need certain volunteers for certain materials. So let's say that we have a student who is in nursing school and they are trying to get a final done or they have a deadline. That means that we have to find two or three qualified volunteers who know how to say those medical terms Mm -hmm. in order to read that material. So there's things that we have certain things that we have to find those specialists for. And that can be a big challenge. So, of course, we post on social media that we're looking for certain, uh, you know, qualified volunteers for. Um, Another example is we just got done recording the entire Dungeons and Dragons handbook. So if anyone is familiar or even heard of Dungeons and Dragons, it's not something you can put one or two people on to record. So it took 12 volunteers. So I marketed and put it all over social media that we were looking for Dungeons and Dragons. Um, If you're familiar with the game, we'd love to have you come read because you're going to know how to say some of those Norse reference names. And you're going to know about uh, paladins and rangers more than the average person. So um, just bringing that level of engagement with our volunteers to our clients is important. So, Mikey... Tell us a little bit about what kind of volunteer Cher is looking for and what those volunteers do in your agency. Yes. So with us, it's a little bit more flexible because we can get volunteers who just want to volunteer on a one-time basis. We also look for volunteers who can work with our kiddos, with our either our kids with special needs and or their siblings um, during our Friday respite nights. We have respite nights typically three Fridays per month, and it's from five to 10. So we look for volunteers who are willing to, you know, give up some time. Well, I don't want to say give up, but, you know, give some time um, during that time frame and just be with kids. So I'm looking for people who love working with kids. It doesn't matter if they're special needs or not, um, and can empathize with them and just have fun. Um And so we like to have consistency because with our kiddos, that's what they like too. They like to see a familiar face and if they connect well with a certain volunteer and they keep coming, well, it just builds a relationship between the kid and the volunteer. Um, But now when it comes to a one-time basis, we do have our share walk coming up and that's for volunteers who they want to get out into the community, but don't necessarily want to commit to an organization. And so that would be an option for those. So let's just take a minute and step back because I think we might want to explain what respite nights are Mm -hmm. and what you guys do at SHARE, what your mission is. Mm -hmm. So yeah, not a lot of people know what respite is. And I will admit before I started working at SHARE, I didn't know what it was either. In fact, some people say respite, (laughs) but yeah, no respite is basically a break from a difficult situation. So For our families, what we offer them is a respite night. So we give them about a break uh, for a few hours um, on a certain Friday night. Every family gets assigned to a night, um, typically once once a month or sometimes even twice, depending on if we have the staff and if we have enough volunteers. They go and drop off their kids. We take care of them while they go and have a night out to themselves, um, whether that's going to the grocery store, to go out to the movies or something. So that's what 
the foundation of SHARE is, is to provide some sort of relief to our families that there is a break and that they're not alone. And these families are specific special needs families. They have a special Mm -hmm. needs child that needs some extra attention and they can't just hire the local teenage babysitter to come in like another family might. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So the beauty is that for our staff um, and even to some extent our volunteers, but um, we do provide training for um, for the staff. That way they can know what to not necessarily what to expect, but what they can expect to do if something ever happens. Um, We have crisis intervention um, in a nonviolent way, of course. Um, We also have CPR training um, and other state trainings in there, too, that can help them at least get some idea of what it's like to work with these kids and what they can do. I would say that kind of gives gives them some sense of credibility and some comfort to the parents who drop off their kids, that they know that they're with a trusted adult who knows what they're doing. So historically and recently, where have you guys been recruiting for your volunteers? Typically, we rely on the schools a lot. Um, Typically, the colleges, um, I would say Midland and Odessa College are two major ones. We like to go through the nursing departments first um, because we feel like students who are in the nursing programs might already have some knowledge of what they can do. So we like to go there first. And then from there, we go through the education department. We go through even the athletic department, too. I mean, they like to have fun. So, yeah, typically schools and any other organizations like the Young Professionals or the junior league. Um, Those are our main um, go-tos. But also social media plays a large role in recruiting our volunteers. And like Bailey said, um, word of mouth is Mm -hmm. what we rely on. I mean, if we already know somebody and have made a connection and have maintained that relationship, um, we can call them up and say, hey, we have opportunities available. Do you have anybody who's interested or are you yourself interested? And we get volunteers that way. Yeah, shout out to Junior League for sure. They're, yep. they're very helpful for us as well. That's really great to hear. You might be thinking, why did we bring Recording Library and Share together in this space to have this conversation today? Well, clearly they both need volunteers, but both of these individuals participated last week in a joint volunteer mixer. So we had 21 different nonprofits that joined together to co-host a Midland volunteer mixer. We had drinks. We had a ton of great food. We had an indoor poker run for prizes that included Amazon gift cards. I mean, we were ready to have an amazing time. We did lots of advertising. I think each agency individually did some things. We had promotions. The nonprofits were excited and they were ready to visit with people about volunteering. And the day came and we had 11 Guests. 11. So there's some valid arguments to be made about how we could have marketed better differently. Of course, that's that's always, that's always the answer, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's always the answer. You could have you didn't market it or mm-hmm. you were like, well, our bank account shows we did market it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for real. And, you know, a lot of this was grassroots marketing, right? We each of the agencies, we emailed the people that we knew for that word of mouth experience because mm-hmm. we have friends. We all mm-hmm. have friends and volunteers for the agencies. Um, So there's valid arguments there, we know. But do you think that this lack of participation is an indication of a greater systemic issue? Oh, for sure. Um, One, I I thought that it was a great turnout uh, for the organizations. There was there were so many. It was it was awesome. And it was set up so beautifully. And we had food. It was casual. You could just come in and grab some brochures and all that stuff. But 
it's a great example of a bigger issue. Mikey, what were you thinking? So I do agree with you, too, that I think it's a larger issue than just an agency within itself. Part of me thinks that, um, yes, uh, if a volunteer um, connects with an agency and they find some sort of, um, I don't know, common trade, like, for example, I get volunteers from time to time that they're like, oh, well, my little brother, my little sister, they have autism. Um, so that, And I've never heard of you guys, so this is perfect. So I think making that immediate connection is crucial to retention. But as far as the mixer goes, um, I did also... Notice the lack of traffic, but it does show that it's a struggle that we're all facing. And I wish I had an immediate answer to why, but that's all we're here for. (laughs) All we're here to do is to um, start a conversation. Yeah. Trigger some thoughts. And I think it's important to keep having those conversations. And when you approached us to do this podcast, you were like, I want to I want to be honest and real. I don't I don't want to try to make it sound like we, you know, had an amazing, there was 500 volunteers that everyone got, you know. So I appreciate that honesty mm-hmm. because it's it's real. And we're not the only ones struggling with it. That's the thing. So yeah. we have to continue to have these conversations and continue to have these events. Um, it comes down to convenience as well. Someone, mm-hmm. if, it's, if it's available right there, if they were going to the grocery store and there was like, hey, here's some nonprofits you can sign up for, mm-hmm. you know, it's convenience. Like you're saying, Mikey, they might have got off work and they're like, I'm not driving over there in this traffic. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm not, I'm just not doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Midland Share Spaces is such a great hub for volunteerism. So it's like, you know, you can come here and you can find all sorts of opportunities. That was a first time thing. Yeah. You know, I think you're right. It is a first time. There are nuggets of good things that came from that. Like you said, networking with each Mm -hmm. other was one thing. I have to tell you, I didn't ask for permission. I'm going to share and then I'm going to go ask for forgiveness later. (laughs) That's the way to go. I'm saying. Um, Kay Kreitz, executive director, Big Brothers, Big Sisters, who's retiring this year. I think she had like this, this career moment when she could say, wow, this is the work that we do at the event. She was approached by a gentleman who was interested in learning more about volunteering. And I guess in the course of their conversation, she discovered he was the very first little brother that Big Brothers, Big Sisters of the Permian Basin matched in Midland. Wow. That's amazing. Right? Full circle. I mean, mm-hmm. I just got goosebumps, and I know Kay was almost in tears when she was telling me. What, what icing on the cake for her career. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's that's really neat. Yeah. See, stories like that are, are what we need to continue to tell. That's why we do what we do. Exactly. And, you know, we're not always going to hit it out of the park, for sure. <laughs> but then you get something like that that happens. Clearly, that volunteer that has reconnected with that agency, has a passion for their mission and understands it in a way that other people wouldn't. I think, you know, I hear from both you guys that commitment is a big challenge. I mean, we're all scared of commitment, you know, when we build friendships or take new jobs or get married or any of that stuff. Commitment is scary. And volunteer commitment is like taking a job. You're just, Mm -hmm. you have to understand that your reward is not a paycheck, but in, in the giving that you are doing. So that's kind of what I'm hearing for you guys. Commitment is a real challenge. Mm-hmm. Commitment is a challenge, but it's just so worth it in the long run. The most precious thing you can dedicate is your time. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think it does. It, it follows right along with what's going on in the world. I have two pieces, two articles that I read, and I'm not going to go into both of these. But Chronicle of Philanthropy is just something comes across my email 
once or twice a week. There's always some really cool piece of information in there. And there was a couple of pieces that I looked at that really I found interesting. But I think one in particular was that the COVID pandemic had continued to disrupt volunteer programs significantly two years after its onset. We're now three years after and we're still seeing the residual outcomes of that. And in this particular report said that nearly 70 percent of nonprofits who were reporting that they were still using fewer volunteers than normal in 2022. Mm-hmm. Is that what you guys are seeing in SHARE? Pretty much. I have access to files from previous years, um, pre-COVID and right after COVID. Based on what I saw from the archives, um, yeah, our volunteers, they were definitely down from previous years, specifically 2019. During our respite nights, we would have up to maybe six volunteers per night. Now we're lucky if we get maybe two or three volunteers per night. For our sure walk, I didn't really see that much of a decline, but that's only because that's the event that I you mentioned about not or that I mentioned about not committing. It's just a one time thing and you're done. So I think commitment is a major thing when it comes to volunteering, because it's natural to be scared to commit, like Autumn said. So I feel like that's what's really keeping our volunteers from um, staying with us um, sometimes is commitment. Are you seeing a lot of the same with you guys? I know you guys had a little bit different perspective when we talked about it in season one. Go Mm -hmm. back episode one, season one, you guys. Yes. But we did talk a little bit. You had a different impact from COVID. Yeah, so COVID was a silver lining for us because um, we opened up volunteers to be able to record from home. So recording materials from home, um, we probably, people have stayed and not necessarily the same volunteers have stayed prior to COVID or when they were at home, but having that option to record at home really helped our volunteer base. Um, if, if there's some way that, that nonprofits can offer an at home volunteer position, which is hard when you have events or a one-time thing, um, that really just helped us as an organization. We have the in, in-person in recording option. We have a hybrid option and we have the strictly remote option. So um, giving options to volunteers, I think, is a plus as well. I agree. I, that's a really good point. And I've and I've been hearing that for a while because the model has always been for years and years that, you know, we work eight to five. So we need you to volunteer eight to five and yeah. and trying to find volunteers that can meet that need during business hours when economically speaking, we have more two income households than we've had historically. Mm -hmm. We have more people who are struggling and making men, you know, making their ends meet or they're having childcare issues. So how do we accommodate that and meet them where they are? I think we're moving as a society of not, I mean, eight to five is that makes me it's outdated. <laughs> I don't like it. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's the convenience again. It's convenience. It's mm-hmm. when when they have time. If if they can just walk in on a Saturday when they're bored with their kids and volunteer somewhere, that's gonna that's a huge benefit. Mm-hmm. Then signing up, trying to say two weeks from yet from now, yeah, I'll be at your event, and then two weeks comes up and you you know you don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to plan those volunteers. Yeah, I agree. And giving them that sense of control. So mm-hmm. like for me, I don't necessarily assign volunteers to a night. I give them the option of choosing to volunteer for I like I have the whole year laid out for them and they get to pick what night they would like to work. And also, I think the intake process is crucial, too, when it comes to volunteers is shortening that intake process to make it less, what's the word, tedious, I guess, Um, and just have them come in. Um, If there's any way you can 
shorten that intake process, I feel like that helps out a lot. I feel like I've seen an impact um, positively for me when I did that, when I came in. How do you do that, especially as an agency like Share that has to do background checks because you guys, your volunteers are working with children Mm -hmm. for those committed positions. How do you manage that? So background checks are still a a thing for us. Um, What I do or what I used to do is I used to have volunteers actually come in um, and meet with me um, and I would give them a whole layout of what they can expect when they volunteer and what I expect from them. But I found that not many volunteers would show up <laughs> to the to the interview. Um, so I would give them the option of uh, just video calling me or I even ask them if they're comfortable with just me giving them written literature of what they can expect. So that's something that has helped out is I just email them information that they need that they can access at their fingertips and seems to help out. So um, I no longer require volunteers to come and fill out the intake. I just email it to them and I do the background check electronically, obviously. And then if they want to meet with me, it's all done virtually as well. Um, And then on the day that they volunteer, I mean, we don't throw them into the wolves, obviously, but we have our room leaders who are also paid staff and they kind of show them the ropes of what they can do um, while they're there. And I feel like that's what really helps them stay with us if they feel comfortable. That's a great idea too. Um, shortening the orientation and paperwork, definitely. Um, we did a similar thing where I made a, um, I just made a video of how you're going to record, giving them a heads up of what to expect before they just show up and they're like, I'm scared. Mm-hmm. They have that kind of like deer in headlights look like I'm here to help, but I don't exactly know what <laughs> I'm going to do. So Mikey, that's a great, that's a great idea. Thank you. Yeah. Removing as many barriers as we can for people to connect with our agencies, I think is so critical. Mm-hmm. And like shadowing to um, shadowing other other volunteers or shadowing um, employees, just just having them stand behind them or whatever mm-hmm. and watch them to see what they're going to do and what to expect is a great idea as well. Yeah. There's nothing worse than throwing somebody who's unprepared into a yeah. room of children and saying, here, have fun. <laughs> exactly. <Yes>. That's terrifying. <laughs> and I'm I'm for patron volunteers teaching other volunteers. <laughs> yes. I'm for them saying, here's why I've been here for six years or 12 years or something, you know. Yeah. Um, and that that helps with staff as well. Like it does. I mean, we can say it as a staff member, we can do so much. But as a volunteer, they have a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And if I was a volunteer, yeah, you're right. I would like to have somebody shadow me because. I'm all I would also be scared. I do try to give them some comfort um, in case they are a little nervous, which they rightfully can be. So just being honest with them, um, I feel makes an impact. There's a lot of value that our volunteers bring to our community. And so, you know, the big question, the big question is how what can we as nonprofits do differently? How are we going to shift in this post pandemic environment to better recruit and retain our volunteers? And I am looking at you too. And I know we are, we are all trying to figure it out. So I'm not expecting any lightning answer. Um, I've, but, been, I've been holding on to this for many years. Right. And this was my moment. She's been hiding it in her pocket. Here we go. Bailey, enlighten us. Something that I think is really beneficial that I've seen is I wish that more corporations were involved in volunteerism. Those who pay their employees and require their employees to volunteer. I know Meals of Wheels is, is a great example of that. But if you just required your volunteers and just gave them some leniency to go volunteer, I think that that would 
not only benefit them as a person, as an individual, we're always talking about self-care and mental health. Giving them the option, paying them to go volunteer doesn't have to be a whole lot, but just making it a mandatory requirement to go volunteer somewhere in the community. Mm-hmm. I think corporations should get more involved with that. No, it's it's a good thing you mentioned that because we actually um, have worked with some companies where they not only sponsor certain events, but they will send volunteers too. They have like a volunteer incentive program and yeah, they'll send some employees to go and help us out. Chevron does that and um, Propetro. Um, and I'm sure there's a few more, but you know, we just um, got to get out there and just ask questions, see if there's something that they can do or if they have a program already in place. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I was, if I was looking for a job or something and they said, well, we have this volunteer program that that's an incentive for me. That's a green flag. <laughs> I, I like to volunteer. Yeah. So to say, oh, here's an organization who's passionate about volunteering and allowing their employees to volunteer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Same here. I would also challenge the nonprofits to set that standard. Give Mm -hmm. our team members, the people who work for us, an opportunity to not only support our programs, but to support each other's programs, Mm -hmm. you know, and step out. And there's great ways that we can do that within our own sector as well and Mm -hmm. and set that standard and model so that we can say we're asking the corporations to do that because we're doing it ourselves. I know Mm -hmm. Mikey made me want to go volunteer. He sounded so friendly and welcoming. (laughs) Boy, this sounds pretty cool too like you know just but like you said it's hard work but i mean hey it sounds interesting i'm gonna i I need to come back and read i haven't done it i've done it before but i haven't done it in a long time i need to come back and read because i spend half my life with my nose a book anyway so same here autumn (laughs) well you know doing state of the nonprofits is a is a great way too because that's going out to our clients so i mean they're staying connected with the community through your podcast so that's a good example too Mm -hmm. But I do like your idea of, you know, nonprofits supporting each other. I mean, we already network, so why can't we network in that way where we can go volunteer at another place? I still volunteered at Casa. I was at Casa de Amigos for a while, and I still volunteered for a little bit after I started to share. Of course, I haven't lately, but... um, yeah, I think it would be beneficial across the board for not just clients, but also the staff at other agencies. And it can help build kind of like a community yeah. um, within the nonprofits, I feel. Well, at Midland Shared Spaces, we as a team have gone out and done cleanup day for Keep Midland Beautiful. Um, we've also done a walk team, the autism at the Share Walk. So, you know, there's different ways that you can do it as a team or individually, but to support our our fellow nonprofits, I think setting the standard and modeling that would be something great we could do. Mm-hmm. The idea too of just having a booth with some flyers is not working anymore. It's not mm-hmm. appealing to the younger generation. So um, we're trying to start a TikTok um, oh. yeah. <laughs> um, for as long as that stays around. Um, but the fairs or the, the um, I don't know. Even the names are kind of not appealing sometimes. Yeah, like resource fair. resource fair. It's like, well, I don't really need a resource. I just want to, I don't know. Mixer. Yeah, Mixer. Uh, Yeah, I like the name Mixer, though. That's better. That's better. Yeah. But it's still one of those things, you know. We have to meet people where they are now. And Mm -hmm. where are they now? I think that's... That is the the problem we have to figure out how to solve. But we're not going to do that today in this episode. So... Final thoughts, Mikey. I've already I I, I pinned Bailey and I said she's going to enlighten us. It's your turn. Enlighten us. What is your <laughs> nugget of 
I don't know, idea. <laughs> so I feel like utilizing technology is something that we definitely need to do. Um, social media, um, a lot of the younger generation is on social media, especially TikTok, as you mentioned. It's Oof. something that I've thought about. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I just don't understand. I'm old. I officially. I don't understand it. it either, Autumn. I don't have one and I don't, but I can see the appeal. But yeah, just seeing the trends of yeah. the younger generation and see how we can get down to that level, I would say, um, because you know, things have changed. You know, resource fairs, they they're not working. I used to go into the classrooms physically and speak to classes. And yeah, I would get a few volunteers there and then, but not as many as whenever I pick up the phone and, um, you know, call somebody that I know, or if I make a post online, I immediately get some responses. So I believe that utilizing technology and then just knowing and keeping those relationships with people you already know is something that just gonna help. And then we just need to think of new ways to, to innovate. I would say, to get more volunteers and retain them. Liking and sharing on Facebook is, it's easy and it's really helpful. Everyone's schedules change and you might have some free time that comes up and you're like, I remember my friend shared something about share needing volunteers on Facebook. And so maybe I'll check that out. And then that's that connection, you know, and so... Just taking a few minutes, if you see something that you appreciate a nonprofit doing, share it because mm -hmm. that can that can do a lot. Yeah. And like I said, making the registration process as easy as yes. possible. Well, Bailey, Mikey, thank you so much for being on the show today. We may not have solved the challenge, but perhaps we've started the wheels turning in our listeners. So if you're out there with a great idea and you'd like to talk about it on State of the Nonprofits, my contact information is in the show notes and I would love to hear from you. And I know that our community would love to hear from you. Thank you guys for being here. Thank, thank you. you for having us. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to receive notifications when new episodes drop. Thank you to the Recording Library of West Texas for the ongoing partnership that makes this program possible.